The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Lord, your word uh, gives us so much to thank you for. Uh, So much to be amazed at. So much to uh, be awed by. So much uh, to to praise you for. To to give you thanks. To learn from. To be shaped by. And and certainly today as we turn to the first chapter of uh, Colossians, it's no different because we are... um, we are to be awed uh, and found and read and, and interpreted by uh, this passage uh, from Colossians. We want to see you, Lord, in all your glory. Uh, thank you, Lord. We think of that. I think of that song. Um, uh, open our eyes, Lord. We want to see Jesus. You tell us who you are in this passage, and so uh, open our eyes uh, because we do want to see you. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Um, well, today is uh, blessing the animals. I really didn't honestly uh, expect so many, so many folks here this morning, um, but I'm glad you're here, and, um, and we are, I know a lot of folks are skipping Sunday school so they can bring their puppy there, uh, other than Jeff. Jeff is the only dog that we have who wants to come to Bible study, um, so all the rest are, all the rest are pagans, but... Um, <laughs> So we are, uh, we are t- including my own, I can assure you. Um, uh, we are in Colossians uh, this morning, chapter 1. And remember, so General Electric Power Company, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, uh, Colossians. And, um, and i got to tell you, Colossians 1 is, uh, for me, just a really important, really special passage. Uh, I love Colossians, uh, the whole letter, but especially uh, chapter 1. I've told uh, I've told the story I feel like several times uh, as to one of the reasons as to why it just kind of holds a special place and I'm sure when we get to that verse I'll, I'll um, have no choice but to tell it again. But the um, uh, what Paul is doing Paul is writing uh, to the church church and churches in Colossae, which is interior Turkey. So if Ephesus was on the western coast of Turkey, sort of across the Aegean Sea from from Greece. Um, well, I guess if, if you're looking at me, so Greece, Aegean Sea is right here. Ephesus is here. Colossae is inside uh, this this region of Asia, and, and and what happened was Paul was on his missionary journey, second missionary journey, I believe, was uh, in Ephesus for three years. Spent a lot of time. He loved the Ephesian people. In fact, when we looked at Ephesians last week, remember he was writing just to assure them that from prison he was he was doing okay. But he had a significant, as you can imagine, significant teaching ministry while he was in Ephesus. And people would come uh, from around and uh, be converted and then take, their, uh, take this message of Christ, this gospel, uh, good news, back to uh, wherever they were from. And one of the people uh, that did that was Epaphras. Now, Epaphras was from the region around Colossae, Colossae and Le- um Laodicea, remember Laodicea makes its appearance in uh, in Revelation. They're the ones that are lukewarm. And um, I saw actually a Babylon Bee uh, just this past week that said uh, it mentioned one mega church pastor and said that the the cafe in the uh, in his church was uh, switching to all lukewarm coffee uh, to reflect their theology. But anyway, that's a. I like that one. This is piping hot, by the way. So. <laughs> As we are. Um, all right. So, um, but anyway, so he, so Epaphras uh, was from Colossae, went back to uh, Col- Colossae and um, began to tell about this hope. And, and a church formed as people were um, 
were converted by Epaphras' teaching and proclamation. So again, this church and the Roman church were churches that that Paul did not found, but which he wrote important letters to. And Epaphras now has, uh, who had built this relationship with Paul uh, in Ephesus, now has come to visit Paul in Rome. Maybe he was on business, maybe he was just on pilgrimage to see his buddy, uh, maybe he just cared about him. We don't, we don't, we're not told why. But one of the things, uh, so, so Epaphras apparently, as we're just piecing together um, bits and pieces, uh, what we, it looks like Epaphras has, t- has told Paul the incredible story of this church popping up around him as he proclaims the gospel in Colossae. But, he says, uh, false teaching has crept in. Now, there has been some, uh, con- not controversy, but disagreement over, over the years as to exactly what was happening, what the nature of this is, because Paul didn't name it particularly, particularly uh, doesn't, name, doesn't name it, but it's, uh, certainly he's preaching against this. And one of, the, one of the theories was that the Gnostics had come in. The Gnostics were um, uh, people who said that there's a, um, that Jesus is, is sort of one of the steps along the way and you have this secret knowledge and the material world is bad and the spiritual world is good. And that was really a prevailing um, theory. And then someone came along and they needed to write a PhD. So they said it was the, uh, the Judaizers uh, had come in. And, and really, there's elements of both that Paul seems to be addressing. And the latest theory, and I, and I actually find this quite compelling, is that it's not just that, that a group of teachers had come into the church or had risen up within the church, but that they all just demonstrated the, um, it demonstrated the, the human tendency to draw in their own former beliefs and syncretize those with their current new beliefs. So if you can if you can imagine your own and some of you have been Christians for so long it's just hard to remember but but you can maybe you've known someone who um, uh, who became a Christian and just had some assumptions that they just brought with them uh, to to that and it takes a while to get that stuff when you've switched bags to get that stuff out of the bag uh, and just to have the and so and so that seems to be what's happening there's there's some pagan influence there's some Jewish in, influence. And, uh, and Paul is addressing these things, and the way that he, ad- he does it is not like he does to the Galatians, you foolish Galatians who has bewitched you, uh, but in fact, he just lifts Christ higher than everything else and says, look at him. Look at Jesus. He talks about the fullness uh, of Christ. Uh, in a, in a sort of contrast to that which you know these teachers or these these uh, tendencies uh, are saying, if I have Christ and I don't know a puppy, then I will um, have a full life. You know, just whatever it is, you can you can have your own thing. I mean, I've I've been I've been there. You know, like I just need a dog in my life. But um, you know, it's money, it's wealth, it's it's um, it's uh, affirmation, it's uh, it's a family. You know, like when you're starting out, if we just, if we can just have, everybody's having children around us, if we can just get pregnant. I mean, there's, we go through things, we go through all these things in, in our lives. And, and Paul is saying there's nothing fuller than Christ himself. And I think it's really a lifelong discipline and a lifelong journey to get to that place where we really believe that. Uh, our whole life is preaching that truth uh, to ourself, I think. So we begin, and Paul, uh, the standard, the standard uh, 
introduction. He has a, I'm, you know, like we, um, like we write a, a letter. If we write a letter, we sign it at the end, but they would sign it at the beginning. I'm Paul. Uh, maybe like we would do uh, in an email at the heading. It says, it says um, um, who it's from. But, uh, so he says, I'm Paul, and I'm actually writing with, uh, along with Timothy, and uh, grace and peace to you from God our Father. And then he says, we thank God for you. So this is sort of a standard greeting, but just it, what he says is actually quite important. We thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Uh, just stop for a second and just think of how um, it would be sort of like, I don't know, Billy Graham or the Pope writing to Church of Our Savior and saying, hey, you're in my prayers daily. And I just thank God every time I think of you. I, um, it, is, it would have been a remarkable thing for, for Paul for them to get a letter from the, the great apostle whom they heard so much about but never met. Uh, heard so much about from Epaphras. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you've heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel which has come to you. Now, I preached on this actually this summer, uh, this and, and also the end of the passage uh, as well. And here, one of the things that just struck me as I was preparing for that sermon uh, in a way that had never struck me before, he says, we've heard of your faith and your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints, so there's faith and love, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Faith, love, and hope. Of these three things remain uh, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. That's, that's famous, 1 Corinthians 13. This, this triad of faith, hope, and love is... It's found actually all throughout Paul's writings. Faith, hope, and love. Um, but he says, we've heard of your faith in, in Jesus. We've heard of the love that you have for all the saints, meaning all the Christian brothers and sisters that you have, um, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. In other words, what Paul is saying is that he, they haven't just kind of gotten their act together and uh, had faith in God and love for their neighbor, it's actually rooted in their eternal perspective that they have um, they have hope in heaven, and their hope in heaven has come because they've heard the gospel, is what he said. So, for me, and I'd love to hear from you on this, if this is challenging or new for you, but for, for me, when I hear the word of the gospel, what I think about is the here and now. What can Jesus do for me now? I um, am having trouble in my life now. I need my... Uh, marriage uh, to, to shape up or my kids to shape up or my uh, employment or whatever it is, my financial situation, whatever it is, I, what, uh, I'm, I'm turning to Jesus because I need help now. And what Paul says for the Colossians and for us is that actually the first thing to do is think about where we're headed. Think about the end line. Because if we keep our eyes on the end, on heaven, and everything else sort of falls into place. I, I, um, I think that, <clears throat> I'm trying to remember who I, um, who I read that said that all of the blessings that we have in this life are incredible and substantial. And we talk about all the richness and the blessing of this life. But that that is actually just a fraction, just an inkling of, of all that is waiting for us in heaven. In fact, the, um, the, the grand bulk of what has been won for us by Christ is awaiting us in heaven. And everything we have here, as wonderful as it is, now there's some hard things about this life too, for sure. 
but for all the things that we count blessings, that that's just an inkling of what awaits us. And Paul says, if you can keep your your eyes on the end, then what that does is create for you a love for God and a love for your neighbor. Respond to that. What, what is your is that is that um, new? Is that challenging? Is that um, pie in the sky? Is that revelation? What what is that? How does that sit with you? Yes. I think a lot of times we're experiential people. It's just like you can tell a child how wonderful a merry-go-round is, but until they've gone around the merry-go-round, they really don't know. And I think that we rely a lot on our experiences, and maybe because we feel like we really haven't experienced the fullness yep. is why we can't <clears throat> quite a- appreciate the extent. Well, I love your, I love, I love your analogy that you, if you tell a child about how, what a merry-go-round is, like if they've never seen a merry-go-round, they have no frame of reference for that. Um, you know, all we have is, is all we have. And so if you've never experienced heaven, which you haven't, none of us have, then all the only image we have for that are earthly things. I mean, we are earthly people. There's no question. And, and Paul isn't criticizing us for that necessarily, but to say actually to, to applaud and praise uh, these um, Colossians who uh, have the right perspective, the eternal perspective, uh, which that um, hope of heaven, even if we don't know the, the fullness of it, that that is what is creating in them a love for God and a love for their neighbor. So it's not a criticism. Oh, you shouldn't think of these things. It's, it's, a, it's, a, um, it's a praise. Wow, it's so great that you're thinking of these things. So that, I think that's, that's it. Um, what else? Yes, Paul. I think the question I ask is, are you going to have that merry-go-round in heaven? Are you going to have the merry-go-round in heaven? Yeah. That's going forward. Uh, yeah, you know, it's, um, I, I don't know. I mean, I know, I know how it's, heaven is described in, in Scripture. You know, a crystal sea, uh, the um, streets of gold clear as glass. You know, I, I, I don't really know what that, it's hard for me to imagine clear as, you know, streets of gold clear as, I've never seen. But is that the hope that we're supposed to keep, that we're supposed to have? Well, I think it's the union of Christ. I mean, you think also not just of the description of heaven, but the, uh, the, the description of the worship around Jesus and the, all the, so there's just, I think Jesus is, is himself the greatest good of the good news and uh and when we receive that and, and again it's 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 impossible i think to and, and it there's a there's a goodness about that it's impossible for us to um to imagine fully what that's going to be like and isn't it great because it'd be kind of like uh oh, you know you get to heaven oh this is actually i'd kind of imagined a little better than this you know like, that's not going to happen huh hmm Never, yeah, I thought there'd be I don't know, unicorns or something. I, I don't know what it... Um, ML had her hand up. Yeah. Do you remember Jesus said that he was the image of God? So we do know we have a very solid foundation of what God is as a persona because Christ says, I am it. Yes, no, we do have a solid uh, image of who God is because we have Christ. And you're actually preaching my next line, and that is uh, coming up towards the end of the uh, middle of the passage. Uh, yes, Sissy. And then we've got books that we've read that people have died and gone to 
gone to heaven and they don't want to come back. Yeah, so, yeah, so if you couldn't hear Sissy, she said we have books of folks who have died and, and uh, come back, but they didn't want to come back, have this sort of near-death experience. And I've read some of those, and, and maybe you have too, and I would take those with a grain of salt and a, a, um, a skosh of hope. I, I, I'm not trying to say that they're not telling the truth. Um, I've read some that I think are entirely orthodox, and some that I don't agree with their theology at all, but I hadn't been there. So I don't know. You know? It's just a glimpse. It is just a glimpse. It's just a glimpse. Yes? But the analogy of the America around and whether that's going to, America around is going to be in heaven, if it is, it's going to be beyond anything you can imagine. Well, we won't get dizzy. So that's, uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it is. It, it's going to be greater. Last one, Josh, then we're going to move. Um, I've always found stuff like this kind of challenging in some ways because to me, the, to say the motivation for acting with, you know, having faith and, and love is heaven. To me, the, that's kind of like saying, I'm, I'm only doing the right things because of the reward I'm going to get. Where there's other parts about it, and I can't quote where you do the right thing because you love God, because God says it, because it is the right thing. Yeah. not because of the reward that you're expecting. Yeah, I think it's probably not either or. I mean, yeah. so, so Josh said... Yeah, yeah. No, Josh said, you know, should we be doing things for the reward we're going to get or for the love that we have? And I would say it's, um, it's, it's not either or, it's both and. Um, you know, we're made for glory, and, and I don't think it's wrong to pursue it, uh, but to pursue it in the right way um, because, of, because of the love we have, you know, uh, and the love we've, we've been given. And so, um, yeah, I think if, if we're in it for what we're going to get out of it, that's probably misplaced. And yet, if, if what we're aiming for is the right thing, which is the glory we were made for in Christ. It's like doing the right thing and finding out, oh, we'll get some cool idea that would be excited Yeah. Yeah, John Piper, uh, who, you know, I, I can take or leave on, on most days, but he talks about um, uh, Christian hedonism. Uh, which is uh, the idea that we uh, are made to be completely and utterly satisfied in Him and we should pursue that satisfaction in Him uh, in all things, all day, every day. Uh, so that's, a, that's an interesting... But So I, I think it's not ro- wrong to pursue our fulfillment in Him. Um, it is wrong, I guess... To be, I think Piper would say we can't actually... Fuf- seek our fulfillment in him for our own sake so but i agree it's a struggle i mean we are after all fallen so so he prays um he prays paul is praying for them this is what he's he's praying Uh, from the day we heard we've not ceased to pray for you since paphras told us about your faith asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will that is that's a passive position in it not that you would fill yourself or that you would pursue it, but that, you, that God Himself uh, would hear us and fill you with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. His prayer for them is that God would, that they would be, in a sense, passive, that they would be recipients of God's infilling of wisdom and knowledge and understanding to the end that they would walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. What does that mean? What does it mean to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord? Being His image. To be in His image, yes. And, and, and 
in the in a manner which he would be proud of. Okay, so and, and to have our life lived in a way that is pleasing to God, that reflects His law. Remember, grace creates what the law requires. The law demands a perfect life, but the law cannot create in us a um, the ability to live that law. But grace and love uh, actually does create in us the desire to to do what God wants us to do. All right. Um, so there is this uh, understanding this, that, that the faith that has been given to the Colossians, and therefore the faith has been given to us, is, not a, is a faith that will uh, meet us wherever we are, but will not leave us there, right? Uh, we'll, we'll come to you and uh, honor you and love you and respect you and, and, um, and accept you wherever you are in your spiritual journey, but will not leave you there. We'll draw you closer and closer uh, to Christ. Uh, we want your faith to have legs, Paul is saying. Right? We, you walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, that you may be filled with the wisdom in such a way that um, not just that you have eternal insurance, right? but that you actually, because you've, we've entered into this relationship with a God who saves, who creates, that our faith will affect our actions. And again, that's a lifelong journey. It's a lifelong journey. In the same way, like so I've, I have entered into a relationship with my wife. And that love that we have for one another uh, should change us. And in fact, because I have made that commitment, and it's not just an emotional commitment of love, but it's a, it's a, um, it's a, it's a covenant relationship, that there are things that I cannot do um, because that would be dishonoring to her. I've made this commitment. In the same way, we've made a commitment, a covenant commitment with God and He to us. And so there's things that we just aren't going to do because that would be dishonoring. And when I do break that covenant commitment with my wife, I have to go to her and I have to say, look, I'm really sorry. And, and she to me, obviously. And, and, so, uh, and so there is a, a, a place for repentance, forgiveness, of course. But, um, but that love relationship uh, should affect our actions. So he could say, love Paul. That's it, right? And just like, get it together. We're praying for you. Act in a manner worthy of the Lord. But he doesn't do that at all. In fact, what he does now is he draws them into the story. And we see in, in what I think is just one of the most beautiful, in all of Scripture, the most beautiful descriptions of who Jesus is. I mean, there's lots of beautiful descriptions, but I just love this. And, and it's just, it's cosmic, that's the title of this, this lesson today, The Cosmic Christ. It, it's um, that Jesus wasn't just a, a Galilean man, right? That He, in fact, is God. And here, Paul sort of opens the curtain a little bit and allows us to peek, even if through a keyhole, uh, to the glory of who Jesus actually is. As Emil as said, verse 15, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or ruler authorities. All things were created through Him and for Him. So we see the magnificence of Christ. We're going to see the mission of Christ and the mystery of Christ. But here we see the magnificence. He is the image of God. He is the firstborn of all creation. By Him all things were created. That never ceases to amaze me. 
This is one of those passages I look at oftentimes um, at Christmas time when I'm thinking about who that baby is in the manger. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, and by Him all things were created. Meaning everything that uh, you've ever seen through a telescope, everything, uh, all the images that come back from the Hubble telescope, uh, all of the uh, incredible things that you learned uh, in science class, all of the the beauty that we see in the world, uh, just like our riverbank or wherever you see these amazing things, that God spoke it into existence and the agent of that creation is Jesus. We say every week in the creed, I believe in God the Father, maker of heaven and earth, right? God the Father is the maker of heaven and earth. And I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. By Him all things were made. So, God the Father and God the Son were in perfect accord. And, and as we read in Genesis 1, who hovered over the waters? The Spirit. Alright, the Spirit of God is hovering over the waters. When God says, let there be light, this seems to me to say this is the voice of Christ. Which makes pretty good sense when Jesus stands up in a storm and says, peace be still, that it would obey Him because it had heard Him before. Right? He is the agent of of all creation. This is the magnificence, the majesty, the massiveness of Christ. God cannot be seen, but if you want to see what God is like, look at Jesus. Right? We are created in God's image. Remember what uh, in Genesis chapter 1, let us, let us make man in our image. Well, there's only one God. Who is the plurality there? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? But this, so Paul is not just saying that he is like God, but he is the means by which those of us created in God's image know what we are created to be like. Say that again. He is the means by which those of us created in God's image, which is all of us, he is the means by which we know what we are to be created like. He is the image of God par excellence. He is the firstborn of all creation. That does not mean He was created uh, or that God the Father made Jesus to be firstborn. It means He is preeminent. That's what that means in all creation. He is over uh, all creation. He's before all things and in Him all things hold together. Now here's here's my story, right? And I think I've told this before. I'm sure I have. But when I was uh, my first summer at the YMCA, I was running a day camp that had 200 kids and 45 staff, and I was like 26 years old or something like that. I'd never run anything this big, and we'd prepared and prepared and prepared. But here it was the first day, and I happened in my devotions to, I mean, of course, I woke up early that morning because I couldn't sleep anyway. And I happened in that devo- my uh, devotions to um, open up to Colossians 1, and that was where I was. And I read this, He, he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. And I have and I thought, okay. Like my anxiety just dropped. He's gonna hold this together. And he did. It was great. What a comfort if things in our life look like they're unraveling, which they do sometimes. He's before all things, and in him all things hold together. Then he says something interesting about his preeminence. He is the head of the body. He is uh, the church. He's the head of of the body, the church. Why does he need to say this? 
Why does Paul tell the Colossians, the church, who are there and exist because they're worshiping Jesus, that Jesus is the head? Why doesn't isn't that redundant? Why would why would the church need to be reminded that Jesus is the head? Yes. Yes, yeah, so they wouldn't be uh, tempted to follow various teachings uh, about... Say that. Say how you said? Well, that they wouldn't be tempted by the teachers who come yes. and say that they are the head. Yes, yeah, so that the teachers wouldn't proclaim that they were the head or that something else was the head or that Jesus was a number of, you know, a number of things among, among many. Uh, yes? So that we don't think we're the head. So that we always want to be in charge. So we don't think we're the head. Yeah, you know... Pretty much every church, maybe not every, but most church controversies, and I don't know if you know this, there have been a couple, um, that, um, is because uh, we forget that the church belongs to Jesus and we think it belongs to us. You know, it may be the pastor forgetting that. This is my church. It may be the people forgetting that. Pastor, who do you think you are? This is our church. You know, uh, And maybe two sets of people within the church. Every church quarrel, um, every church split, I think, and that is probably a generalization, uh, but is on some level because we forget that Jesus is the head of the church. Um, so then we see, so we've seen the majesty, the massiveness, uh, the magnificence of Jesus. Then we see the mission of Jesus. And you... Paul says, who were once alienated and hostile in mind. I'm from verse 21. You who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. So look at the contrast that he set between describing the Colossians and describing us by extension. We were once uh, hostile in mind towards God towards Jesus, towards having a Savior, because we want to be in charge, right? We were hostile in mind. Uh, and doing evil deeds, that doesn't mean that we were out in horror movies, right? Um, living a horror movie life. It means that we were um, on the throne of God doing, trying to get our own glory. Maybe it's awful stuff, but maybe it's just uh, socially acceptable stuff for our, for our own glory. Hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. He now has reconciled us so that we are, these same people that were hostile in mind and doing evil deeds, now we are holy and blameless and above reproach before the judge of all creation, God the Father. That is the gospel, right? That is the mission. That is why He came. Why does Paul keep returning to the gospel? When I was, um, I, I was, one church that I know about used to have on their website an uh, Ask the Clergy kind of thing, and they stopped that because they got so many crazy questions. But um, they couldn't, well, they couldn't keep up. I mean, they, they, but I remember reading one of them. And um, you can always ask the clergy, by the way, but we're not going to put it on the website. Um, but I remember uh, reading one, and it said, We love this church. But it seems like every week from the pulpit you say the same thing. We're sinners. Jesus died. We're saved. Where's the meat? They ask. 
Like, in other words, we heard you. Get on with it. Teach us about living the disciple, the life of the disciple. We've heard the gospel. Now we're ready for the meat. Why does Paul keep going back to the gospel? Because it is the meat. What do you? But but what do you mean by that? I mean, shouldn't we have to learn about? Loving our neighbor and stewardship and feeding the poor and, and all these things. What I mean, why why do we need to hear over and over again that Jesus died for sinners? And yes, because Jesus is the rock, He's the foundation, He's the it. There's nothing else. Because Jesus is the rock, He is the it. Yes. It starts with Him. It ends with Him. It is Jesus. Yes. Okay. I am. Well, we hear it many times here, but it takes a while to get here. We hear it many times from our, in our head, but it, it, for our heart to receive it. You know, they asked the same question of Martin Luther. Yeah. And he said, it is because you will not remember it by next Sunday. <laughs> you know, like, um, and, and of course, what he means is you will remember it. We can know the gospel, but in terms of living it out and actually living as if we have been forgiven. And, and as if we are holy time. and blameless before him. Yeah, and especially in the hard times. Why me, Lord? Yes. Is there people who say, I've read the Bible, I don't have to keep reading it, I've already read it, I know what it says. Yeah, well, most people, yeah, that's right. Well, I'd like to know, anyway, that's a a different thing. Um, Now, he does say, this this is interesting, I want to just point this out. So he's returned to the Gospel again, and uh, we've talked about reconciliation. He seems to be adding a qualifier. Verse 23, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. In other words, you're reconciled if you keep going, right? If you are reconciled, if you're stable and steadfast, if you don't shift from the hope. Is Paul putting a qualifier of works upon, upon this? We're saved by grace, not by works. Eh, asterisks. Seems like... I think he's saying... What a lot have said before is that you have to endorse the check or you have to receive the gift. Yes. Fully receive the gift to be able to live out the life of grace. Right. And if you haven't fully received that, you're going to constantly be going astray and falling into old habits. Yeah, if you haven't fully received it. And I think all of us could say on some level we haven't fully received it. We do right. fall astray. But I think it's not a qualifier like uh, of good works, but it's actually a test of authentic faith. Like, if you have faith, even though you stumble, you are not going to wander from your faith in Christ. I mean, all sin is ultimately you know, a violation of the first commandment. I mean, we're going we're gonna, to um, stumble in our, in our belief in, in Christ if, if we... If we really believe that God was supreme and God was the only God, we wouldn't have another God. You know, we wouldn't, we wouldn't seek after other things. But um, that being said, uh, I think Paul's not putting a qualifier, but he's saying this is a test of our authentic beliefs. That's the mission of Christ. So we see the magnificence. He's the creator of all things. And then we have the mission that the creator of all things has come, in fact, to reconcile us to you. But then we have the mystery we have the mystery, reconcile himself to us, is what I mean. The mystery of Christ. He says, um, I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, 
And in my flesh I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of His body, that is the church. In other words, I think what he means there is that Christ suffered, but He didn't, like, there's still suffering in the world. And, and Christ didn't suffer that suffering, but Christ suffers it through us. I don't think He's saying that, that Christ's suffering wasn't sufficient. But in fact, that there is continual suffering in the body of Christ um, and to Christ when Christians suffer. That makes any sense. Um, I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of His body, that is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the Word of God fully known. The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to His saints. So now what Paul is saying is there's always there's this mystery, this unknown, this hidden thing that now in Christ is revealed. And here's the mystery that is revealed. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of His mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. To them, this is verse 27. To them, God, that's the saints, to the saints, God chose to make known among uh, the Gentiles how are the riches of the glory of His mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So here's the mystery, that, that Christ is available to everyone, uh, not just the chosen people but uh, of Israel, but, but to everyone. And in fact, the hope of our own glory, the hope of our being made uh, that is fulfilled, we're made in the image of God, we're made for glory, the fulfillment of that is actually Christ, this cosmic Christ who created all things and reconciled us to Himself, living in you. That's not a metaphor. Like Paul is not being metaphoric when he says that Christ is living in you. As the, um, he, doesn't, he doesn't mean that in a sort of um, pseudo sense. He actually means it, that Christ is living, dwelling in you. Yes, Jesus is at the right hand of the Father interceding for the saints. He is also by the Spirit living in you. When, I was, when uh, Caroline, who is now 14, uh, was uh, and about to turn 15, pray for us, um, was uh, when she was three, she went to the doctor and the doctor uh, put the stethoscope up by her heart and she said, oh, Caroline, I hear your heart. And Caroline said, can you hear Jesus? <laughs> I said, I've been going to use that in sermon for years. <laughs> the creator of all that there is lives in you. If that doesn't blow your minds, then I'm not saying it right. <laughs> or you're not paying attention. It is the mystery. How can that be? How can someone, something so massive, so cosmic, so eternal, dwell in someone so fallible and temporary and conflicted? It's by His grace and His mercy and His love. And in fact, that is Paul's prayer, that you would be filled so, Colossians 1 stands as just, to me, a very, very special, wonderful passage. And I hope that that has come across uh, to you this morning. And it actually is just a springboard into the rest of the letter, which is, which is really wonderful. An encouragement to us, just as it was an encouragement 
to the Colossians many, many years ago. My expectation is that there are a lot of puppies uh, coming on campus and uh, maybe some kitties and, and even a turtle or a hamster too. So uh, I'm going to go get ready for the blessing of the animals. Please uh, bust your tables and fill out your, um, your uh, attendance sheet and give them to Elaine. Sorry. Oh, yes. If you would like to learn how to teach a class, I'm teaching a class called the How to Teach a Class class, and that's uh, starting in a, two weeks, right? Two weeks, the 13th, October 13th, and uh, that's going to be after the 10.30 service. It'll be about a six-week class. Uh, love for you. If you're interested in uh, just learning, you don't, you're not committing yourself to learn, uh, to teach, but if you're uh, interested in learning about how to read the Bible and then how to share that with other people uh, in a small group or a class sort of setting, I uh, would love for you to be a part of that. And if you need, want to just uh, do that, just let Elaine know, and she will sign you up. God bless you. Go to church.